0: Hello and welcome to Cage Club, Episode 9, Peggy Sue Got Married. This movie came out in 1986. This is the, I believe, second movie from 86 after The Boy in Blue. Cage is back on his grind after taking 85 off. I'm Joey Lewandowski and with me as always is...
1: And I'm Mike Manzi. Welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 72 movies, one cage.
0: Now today with Peggy Sue Got Married... I feel like we're. It's an important landmark in Cage Club.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's really sort of the first cage role with cage and role as in capital letters, as in the type of role that people think of when they think of Nicolas Cage.
1: Swinging for the fences, cage. Like, uh, it, all dressed up and going for it.
0: I mean, everything about his character is insane. <laughs> in, but in, like, a delightful way. Like, I love. Love, love, love this movie. It's basically Back to the Future for Girls.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a time travel movie, and it's female-centric. You know, instead of Marty McFly, we have Piggy Sue. Right. And uh, she goes back mm-hmm. in time, not with a time machine. Uh, we'll talk about her means of travel, but uh, yeah. she goes back to high school for, you know, a short amount, of about a week as well, and, uh, you know, has a chance to change things or learn a lesson we're not quite sure i we'll have to figure that out as we go along
0: so nicholas cage plays a character named charlie bodell and there's a couple things to point out right off the bat about him number one the movie takes place in 1960 and 1985 and so this is the ninth movie of cage club but when the movie starts in 1985 it's 25 years essentially into the future like the main sort of Normal storyline for the actors at their age is 1960. So we were talking about earlier that Cage was always playing his age, and this movie begins with him as a, you know, 45-year-old man.
1: Yeah, it was old-age makeup and gray hair, and, you know, they gave him wrinkles, and, you know, it was was crazy because he looked a little bit, a little bit, like he
0: does now. A little bit. He does look a little bit like he does now, but his old man Cage in this movie has a little bit more hair than he has now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Character is quite fortunate to keep that.
0: So back in 1960, and we can get to his physical appearance because that's sort of that's not even the best part about his character, but he sort of when I was watching this movie, I thought he went back and forth between like two different Elvises. Like we know Nicolas Cage loves Elvis Presley, and at times he sort of looks like Elvis Presley a little bit. He has the pompadour and we'll talk about, you know, who Cage's character Charlie loves in terms of musical icons. But he sort of looks like Elvis a little bit. Yeah. But then at other times almost looks like Elvis Costello, too. Like he's just sort of going back and forth between all these different
1: Elvis-es. rock
0: star looks. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he's got the black well, there's sort of, I guess at the time there would be Buddy Holly glasses, more or less yeah. at the time. In his commercial in the beginning, he wears a white Jumpsuit with the sort of Elvis tassel, that I guess nowadays is more related to Bon Jovi, but Elvis started that, I believe. Yeah,
0: that's definitely late career Elvis. Yeah, and
1: also uh, Teen Charlie, like Teen Nick Cage in this, like, like his shoulders, like every time he kind of talks with his shoulders a little bit, you know, you kind of get like that Elvis, a little Elvisness from him,
0: Elvis swagger. Yeah, the Elvis swagger. But the most distinct, or the most distinctive part of Cage's characters. Persona, demeanor, whatever. The most distinctive part about Cage's demeanor, or Charlie's demeanor, is his voice. I looked up, and he... It's, 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 it's almost crazy to put into words, but he modeled his voice after Pokey, the horse from Gumby. It's crazy. And there's no real... I mean, don't do you see really- that there's a reason why he did it? I I, I
1: see. I don't really see – I don't hear the resemblance to Pokey. I watched a lot of Gumby as a kid and uh, got Pokey's voice in my head. But I think what he's going for is that puberty, high nasally voice-like cracking almost phase of, of- – adolescence do you You know i think he's sort of trying to play a teenager and do the teenage voice pitch up his his normal voice higher as if it hasn't dropped yet there's a moment where his character squeaks (laughs) later on in this movie so i think that's that might be what he was was going for i know that the producers and everyone else weren't really too excited about that choice
0: so yeah so the imdb trivia says pokey i'll take your word for it that It's not, you know, spot on for Pokey, but that might be part of the inspiration, at least. But what's crazy about his voice is that this film was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, his uncle, and yet Cage's voice almost led him to being fired from this movie because nobody else thought it was a good idea. He sort of had to sell it that what he was doing was beneficial to the movie.
1: Yeah, I like i love the idea that his you know his uncle wasn't you know this they weren't playing favorites right like i mean at this point he was just being treated like a serious actor with his own career and it says right there like he didn't get this job because they're related or anything like that so yeah that's pretty interesting
0: this movie also has two amazing nicholas cage entrances nicholas cage plays this guy charlie bodell who's married to peggy sue and at the beginning of the movie, they're not divorced, are they? They're just sort of on the rocks. I believe
1: they're separated. So okay. it's, you know, about at the point of filing papers.
0: He plays this TV infomercial salesman. He's Crazy
1: Eddie, basically. That's what I got. As a kid growing up, there was this guy called Crazy Eddie who sold stereos and had these commercials very similar to that, and I thought he was they were modeling charlie off of crazy eddie because you know he's got this this these wacky game show-esque commercials for his stereo shop or his appliance store
0: well you find out a little bit later in the movie that cage's father owns a department store or an appliance store and he doesn't want to work there he wants to be a musician he wants to sort of do his own thing blaze his own path but it's clear you know at the toward the end of the movie He accepts like his father gives him part of the business and it's clear that he just sort of follows in his father's footsteps. So he's an appliance store owner, like you said, modeled after Crazy Eddie with just like insane, insane beautiful, wonderful commercials. Yeah, Charlie, my fortune cookies, good thanks. What? Next week, we'll be selling Sanya remote control VCRs for $299. Look, at Dad. Oh, no. I'll go broke. <laughs> You'll give away Mr. VC giant screen television sets for $1,299. Oh, no. You won't be on the store <laughs> on microwaves, your video recorders, ovens. Mom, I'm you're not looking... Not just Please the turn the that piece.
1: off. So, I really... Thought this scene, this opening scene, was like super economical as far as just filmmaking and screenwriting is concerned. Yeah, because within like uh, two minutes, we find out Peggy Sue was mar- is is or was married to this Nicolas Cage character. They have a daughter played by Helen Hunt, and we also learned that they're on the rocks and they're getting separated plus we also find out that is the night of their 25th high school reunion so like all this important information is just like really fed to you it feels really naturally fed to you just like matter of factly and uh got to give them a lot of credit for
0: that yeah it's all told to you within really within probably a minute maybe 90 seconds because within the first couple minutes They're at the reunion. Peggy Sue is dressed in her prom dress for some reason? Yeah, she's really
1: freaking out at this point, too, right? Like, that opening scene, like, she's really nervous because she's getting divorced and she's going to a reunion and, you know, she can't tell everybody, like, how great her life has become, it seems, right? So, like, she is freaking out, but, like, Helen Hunt's like, no, like, this is great, like, you know, it's very nostalgic, you look wonderful, and like, she goes along with it, for her sake.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think that Helen Hunt sort of convinces Peggy Sue that things are going to be okay, but then as soon as they get to the reunion, they walk in and there's... Pictures of looks like basically yearbook pictures, like black and white pictures that are blown up for the wall. Yeah, all over the place. It seems to be Peggy Sue and Nicolas Cage. She's not only walking to the past of her relationship with all these people, but walking into a past where she was in love with this guy that she married, and then she's on the on the rocks with, about to get divorced from.
1: Right, I could. I could understand, I suppose. It's like there's a knife in her, and seeing all this is just sort of twisting it a little deeper and deeper, you know, emotionally.
0: But what I thought was kind of funny is that they they play Peggy Sue standing in front of these pictures as the emotional, you know, heart-wrenching thing it should be. But then, like, they introduce other characters, like Jim Carrey's character, who's just basically standing in front of his own picture living it up there's the other girl they're taking a picture of her and just like make the same like screaming face <laughs> that she's making in the picture Catherine like, hicks e- yeah everybody else loves their pictures so everybody else is sort of you know content with their life but peggy sue is just the one that's not too happy with what's going on
1: it's pretty cool we get that scene of all the cast characters like we're going to see all the characters that we're going to see again as kids yeah, right, we get to see them as like adults now and everything, so we'll see how different they're going to act in about 15 minutes. Um, but we, we, yeah, we get like these nice little just like moments with everybody. You know, Jim Carrey is like doing blow in, in in a room with his ex-girlfriend.
0: And like. Jim Carrey is another Cage connection of sorts. He's never with Cage in another movie, but he's in Kick-Ass two, and of course Nicholas Cage is in Kick-Ass one. So it's not a direct Cage connection, but it's a little bit adjacent.
1: Uh, and Catherine Hicks, who's in this just like no cage connection, but uh, she just, I believe she just came off of Star Trek 4, four where yep. one, another time travel film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're at their 25 year reunion and Nicholas Cage's character is not supposed to go. Like, I think they made some kind of agreement, him and Peggy Sue. And Peggy Sue, we should say, I guess we haven't said her name yet, is played by Kathleen Turner. Did we say her name yet? I don't believe so. So she's played by Kathleen Turner. And it seems like Peggy Sue and Charlie had some kind of understanding that Nicolas Cage wasn't going to show up to this reunion because that was just going to make Peggy Sue's appearance more comfortable. You know, when she's not really ready to go to the reunion, Helen Hunt says, it's okay, dad's not going to be there. You can just have, your, have a good time on your own or whatever. But then he shows up. He enters
1: in- and it's very angelic you know like the entrance to the gymnasium is sort of high up you know you have to yeah. like enter and walk down like an indoor fire escape almost it's very strange like looking but he enters and he's backlit and he's wearing white you know and he's got the white hair and his shirt's open and he like scans across the dance floor and makes his way down and I mean he's like descending from heaven right it's hilarious and they're like hey crazy Charlie and he's like hey guys and he's like so this is the reunion
0: and like shortly after they get there they announce the prom king and the prom queen or the reunion king and the reunion queen and the reunion king is this nerdy guy who we haven't really seen a whole lot of in the reunion um he's just this billionaire that invented computers of some kind that put one of his classmates out of work and just this this guy was real mad at him He, like,
1: stole the guy's formula for computers and, like, never paid him for it.
0: I I think I got the sense that he just – whatever the computer was, whatever this guy's other technology was, just, you know, was replaced by a computer.
1: There's also – didn't someone say something about a book he wrote or something like that? I don't know. I just want to bring that up later because things sort of – we got to talk about later too whether or not she actually, you know, makes the trip that she does or not. But I believe someone says something about a book at this point and then later on at the end – there's a book from a different person. I was wondering like what, yeah, why Richard was successful. I never quite caught that until later.
0: So you have to wonder, and I mean this is there's a lot of things like you were just saying, it's not clear what happened. If you think about it in terms of time travel and if she actually did go back in time, then she'd always gone back in time. In which case Richard was successful because she had gone back in time. As opposed to not going back in time, learning what he did, and then going back and telling him? There's a lot of – time travel movies are really difficult to think about and sort of explain. But
1: this one sticks to a pretty strict rule of its time travel. Richard is elected basically king of the reunion, and Peggy Sue is elected queen of the reunion. And she goes up to accept, and she just has, like, this full-blown panic attack. She sees, her ex- she sees Charlie in the audience and everyone clapping, and it's very bizarre, and the lights are flashing, and she just, like, passes out. And when she wakes up, she's in 1960, so, like, that is how she time-trapped. Like, she just, her mind, like, she wakes up, in her, presumably, in her younger body. They don't have a younger actress. It's still Kathleen Turner, but... She didn't use a machine like a DeLorean or anything.
0: Sort of like Wizard of Oz. It's
1: Wizard of Oz esque. You know, I think I mentioned to you as like Desmond from Lost. You know, it's yeah. like just his consciousness goes back into his younger self.
0: She knows everything. Peggy Sue of nineteen. 19- okay, this. is Okay, this is what we're gonna describe. <laughs> Here we go. New Peggy Sue or Peggy Sue 2.0 in nineteen sixty. Yeah. Knows everything that Peggy Sue of nineteen eighty five knows. Yeah. And so she goes back home, and she's essentially this grown woman. An eighteen-year-old's body, who drinks alcohol, much to her father's dismay, who really genuinely cherishes the ability, the the fact that she that she can spend more time with her family, yeah, that she can spend more time with her grandparents. It's it's really sort of a sweet. The things that you realize later in life are important to you, and the things conversely that you thought were so important that ultimately aren't important. Like when she takes the algebra test, <laughs> she just sort of has the wisdom to know. These are the things I should be paying attention to, and these are the things I can completely and safely avoid."
1: Yeah, to me, that's sort of like her like needing to get her parents back together and kiss so she exists. It's like her needing to realize, you know, what is important and the things in life that that matter and to cherish the moment and her relationship with Charlie and the way that that it's so interesting when she goes back in time because her problems with Charlie in the past are, are like she's dealing with them in the same way she would as an adult and she comes across like a teenager, you
0: know. A little bit later in the movie, they have an argument that it's basically an argument 25 years in the making, but in Charlie's timeline it's only been, you know, on the rocks for maybe a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and it also feels like this is the kind of argument that the teenagers would have right it would be this half-sided disjointed confusing you know uh impassioned expression of just like anything that they were thinking when she sort of mentions future events and he's like who you who's Dolores what are you talking like who are you talking about what are you talking about I don't know I I bought it as just yeah it's just like a crazy teenager like confused and not even sure what going on
0: well i think that you maybe it's it's her character's reaction to the way that when she sort of first pops back home and she's drinking alcohol and she's trying to like she's basically trying to explain herself she's no like i'm a grown woman like she thinks it's all a dream which it very well may be but she doesn't think that any of this is real so she's just going to go about and do her thing and not care what people are talking about but even though she is mentally peggy sue of 85 everybody else still treats her like she's peggy sue of 1960 which means that the that the things that she's saying might be construed in a different way, and might be responded to as though she's just an eighteen year old saying these things. Whereas you know, if she was a forty three year old or whatever, they might hold a little bit more weight her words. Yeah. Do you think that this movie was written directly in response to Back to the Future, or do you think it was just sort of coincidental?
1: Was there time to write it after Back to the Future and make it? Uh, it's possible. It's possible the way Hollywood works. It's. There's probably a couple similar, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were similar scripts floating around at the time or they saw Back to the Future and they said, you know, we need, we need to do this with girls.
0: It happens a lot in Hollywood. Like, you remember like a couple years ago when The Prestige came out, The Illusionist came out at the same time. Like, there's never movies about magicians and all of a sudden in the same summer, there are two movies about magicians out of nowhere. Yeah. And that happens every once in a while that there's just a topic or a theme or an occupation, or whatever, that nobody's talking about, and then all of a sudden, there's, like, two or three movies, and I wonder if, you know, Back to the Future came out in 85, this came out in 86, I wonder if something happened in, like, 82, 83, 84, that inspired the writers of both these screenplays to write time travel movies, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if there was, like, some big scientific breakthrough, or some kind of... (laughs) I think it no. might
1: have just been the Reagan era or the 80s consumerism, and and looking back, you know, it was the the children of the 60s, like Peggy Sue, who now had their own children that they were taking to movies, you know. So perhaps they were trying to make films for adults and children, you know, that they could take their kids to and feel nostalgic about, because you know you could take your. Their, I would assume there would be some parents that could take their kids to this and be like, that's that's what my high school, because my dad actually graduated high school in 1960, so this. Would fit his demographic of the time, where you know he would take one of our brothers to it or something like that, and be able that to enjoy sense. it on multiple levels.
0: I like that, and sort of, I guess it sort of also follows the just trying, even if you're not trying to make an, a movie that appeals to both people, just like the same way that Gary Marshall made Happy Days or whoever made The Wonder Years, it's just them recapturing basically their youth and telling the story of their youth to a new audience. Yeah, but so when Peggy Sue falls and hits her head and she goes back in time. She wakes up and she thinks she's dead and Nick Cage shows up and basically <laughs> is just like acting like a zombie or a vampire oh, and it's a
1: blood drive. Right. She wakes yes, up yes. and she had passed out at the blood drive as a teenager and wakes up an adult in a teenage body and <laughs> Nick Cage comes in and I'm getting future flashes of Vampire's Kiss when he's doing his
0: Dracula. It's coming impression. up real soon.
1: Yeah, it's coming up. And we find out Nick Cage is like the leader of his little gang right? <laughs> he's like the brad of this movie
0: yeah it's not like a gang like rumblefish it's just sort of like his hu- they're just like a couple bullies they're like they're the cool kids basically yeah they're the
1: cool kids his crew he's the leader of the crew
0: peggy sue goes home and i'm not sure i don't know if i recognized her parents but her little sister another cage in action once again domino but no longer domino now sofia coppola yep in, Notice, in her, noticeable in
1: her, this time
0: in her biggest role by far in cage club
1: yeah and looking much more like actual Sofia Coppola. Much more grown up than seeing her from that back shot of her. What was she last? She was last in
0: she was the, last uh, Cotton uh, the, Club, the Cotton right? Club, right? She gets and shot she, in, in the, the street,
1: street. <laughs> and, she gets, yeah. and we only see the back of her, I believe. You
0: see, you see, I think like, you see her in profile and then her back. Like, you never okay. see like, her, her straight on.
1: Yeah, so much, much more screen time in this movie.
0: And way more grown up than she was in Rumblefish. Yeah. It's sort of... I mean, in terms of screenwriting, if you want to save the cat it, uh, it's sort of like there, there's a little bit of fun in games early on when she goes back in time and she thinks none of this is real, so she just gets drunk. and She, she says this one line that I just loved. She just says, I'm going to go to Liverpool and discover the Beatles. <laughs> it's, it's always the dream and sort of it's Biff's dream and Back to the Future that you can go back in time or you have like future knowledge and you want to become profitable. You want to be on the cutting edge of everything. Um, and I mean, obviously she doesn't go to Liverpool, but it's just sort of funny that – That would be like her and her drunken little stupor. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back in time and just see the best band of all time.
1: Yeah, and later she even gives Charlie a song, and it turns out to be She Loves (laughs) Me. (laughs) She's like, I wrote you a song. I guarantee it's a hit. She, She has a lot of opportunity to be a billionaire you know like she's like they haven't made pantyhose yet you know i know about the moon landing right she could like (laughs) sell secrets to russia for trillions and have it made somewhere in scandinavia but nope she just wants to like work out her marriage with with this is what kind of all right at this point i started thinking about this she wants to work out her marriage but she's like with a teenage boy and she's like 40 and i know it's gonna be her husband and she's in a teenager's body supposedly but the it just crossed my mind at that point where I was like, she's 40, he's like 18 or 17, and like this scene is happening.
0: It's a, it's a little sort of statutory rapey, but it also, it also if you, I guess if you think about it, it feels weird. But if you don't think about it, it just sort of feels normal.
1: Yeah, I went with it for 99% of the movie. There was just like right. one or two moments where it just kind of crossed my mind, and I was just like, you know, today, they wouldn't take it this far. There's like two extreme makeout moments that surprised me.
0: There's one thing I want to ask you about, and watching the early Cage Club movies, I noticed that his teeth were kind of busted. Like, they were always, like, like he didn't have great teeth. They were natural, um, right? They were, just like they were natural almost, teeth, yeah. yeah. And then for Birdie, he had two teeth removed to go through the pain or, you know, to sympathize, further sympathize with Vietnam veterans. Interesting. But it seems like before this movie, maybe when he got the teeth re-implanted, His teeth are, like, great. Like, it it seems like he had dental work done before this movie.
1: Yeah, they – you're absolutely right. It looks – I agree with you 100%. And they even sort of integrated it into uh, his character right like at one point he like remarks about what great teeth he has and i was like ah that's probably like showing <laughs> off his new teeth like he probably was like uh, you know uncle francis can i just like you know show off my teeth a little more in this movie i really like him but he looks great you know i think this is he like, does look great this is like cage 1.5 i'd
0: say and but he's not doing his teeth any favors at lunch because they're at a cafeteria normal school day behavior his lunch tray is a piece of pie a stack of cookies, and a hot dog.
1: And he's chugging milk, though. Like, he
0: just, and he's chugging he milk. He chugs
1: so much milk during that sequence.
0: It's around this time that it's basically her second day back in 1960 that Peggy Sue says at breakfast, you know, I didn't think I was going to stick around, but since I'm here, I might as well enjoy it. And she she goes out to sort of actively change her past, whereas Marty McFly and all these other time travel movies – they're told to not change the past. She's just going around and just like messing with things, just to see if she can get a better life.
1: She doesn't have a Doc Brown at this point to to guide her along the path yet. She sort of runs into younger Richard, right? And Richard, the physics major, sort of t- kind of like believe like he she gets him to believe her that she's a time traveler and like all this stuff. So, uh... well,
0: at first he doesn't believe her and he thinks that she's. Either, you know, pulling a trick, like, either just, like, joking around with him or setting him up for some ultimate sabotage because she's one of the cool kids and he's this total nerd and why would she ever talk to him? But eventually, I guess just by being persistent enough or being descriptive enough, oh, the way that she wins him over is by talking about all the things that happen and then telling him when we land on the moon. And And he's like, oh. That's six years ahead of schedule.
1: Yeah, and she's like, you have a blind grandfather, and you're going to make a machine that reads for blind people. And he's like, what the? I've never told anyone about like my grandfather. But, well, at least not her, right? They're not exactly friends. So yeah, right. between that and the moon landing, he's super convinced.
0: And then once he finally believes her, he tells her about his what he calls the Richard Burrito Theory. That time is a burrito And it, it makes no sense But it's great
1: Well then we have Richard's burrito What's that? That's my own theory Based on a Mexican food called a burrito I had it once when my parents took me to Disneyland I know what a burrito is Well you see I think that time Is like a burrito In the sense that one part of itself Will fold over And then it will just
0: touch the other part what's inside you can fill it with whatever you want you can fill it with memories with experiences trigonometry anything
1: then you think that time travel is possible for people yes it is it is possible It's absolutely possible for people, for dogs, for elephants, for can-can girls.
0: Like it's seriously like the weirdest speech though. I don't don't know.
1: Yeah, because he's like you know, there's Einstein and these other guys with their relativity theories, and they sound so smart. And then you know, she's he's supposed to be the smart guy, and I just didn't expect something so incomprehensible. To come out of his mouth, to be honest with you, I thought they would just take something that sounded, you know, a little more plausible.
0: But then in the next scene, he has an equally stupid idea where they're trying to figure out if she's a ghost, if she's really there. And so what they do is there's a fire truck coming down the road, and she's and he and he says, "Oh, stand in the street, and if you're a ghost, the fire truck will just go right through you. But like, if she's not, like there's there's no." countermeasure there like it's either going to be like catastrophic or like to get their answer so like it's okay it's not the best way to do it yeah
1: you raise an excellent point this guy isn't a genius okay so how did he make his fortune how did he you know in become a great inventor and everything I believe Peggy actually has always gone back and encountered him and told you know with his knowledge of future events became the genius that that he becomes.
0: I mean she tells him about the just the word high tech and maybe that's enough. He loves the high tech free. Oh, but he's
1: like going off a list. He's like Walkman, you know. Well, she, she
0: she's explaining all the new inventions like basically all the things that he has to build. And she's like everything gets smaller. This gets smaller, that gets smaller, that gets smaller. But for some reason, portable stereos, they just get bigger. And I guess that's a reference to, like, hip-hop culture? Yeah, I think like, the, yeah, the boombox? Yeah, I guess. It was the He's just like he's, like, he's like, interesting. He's taking all these notes. He's like, interesting, interesting. And then they go to a, a clothing store, and she asks for pantyhose. I don't know if she wants pantyhose.
1: Well, she wants I to guess. know if they're invented yet.
0: And they're not.
1: Yeah, and she's like, that's our first fortune right there.
0: And then that's when she tells him about high tech and then she just sort of goes off. Like she plants yeah, all she these ideas in his be- head. She
1: yeah, she bestows all that info on it changes his entire
0: path. She plants all these ideas in his head and then just basically leaves. She's like, Alright, good luck. Like, I don't know how this stuff works, <laughs> but like you can figure it out.
1: Well, she knows he'll be fine, he'll become a millionaire and she'll see him at the reunion. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, the big conflict of the movie is both in the present and in the past, is that Kathleen Turner and Nicolas Cage their relationship is on the rocks, and so she goes back in time because you find out later that the reason they got married when they did, which is basically right out of high school, because she got pregnant by Nicolas Cage on her 18th birthday, or she gave birth when she was 18.
1: Yeah, she gets pregnant on their 18th on her 18th birthday.
0: She figures that if she never gets pregnant, if they break up back in 1960 then her life will be completely different and she won't be married to him. She won't go through this heartbreak. But she won't have Helen Hunt either. And she she is very sentimental about her kids and she keeps talking about her kids. But then what's confusing, and, I, and we can get to it later when you sort of have the reveal, is that she has her locket that it turns out that Nicolas Cage gave her. And she says the kids in the, in the locket are her kids. But then at the end of the movie, Nicolas Cage says, no, it's you and me as a baby. I'm not sure... If that's like a time travel thing, or if she's misremembering, okay, so or if it's just when, as simple as she changed the pictures, or what?
1: So when he gives it to her, it's in 1960, and it's pi- right. And it's pictures of them as babies. But in the beginning and the end of the movie, it's 1985, and it's pictures of their kids.
0: So she just swapped the pictures out. It's as simple as that? I
1: believe, you know, within that time, she yeah, she swapped out the pictures when she had their, when they had their own kids they put those pictures in at some point but they looked they looked very similar i think the point was they're the same they are the same picture i think you know and she says one thing and he's correcting her
0: like can, i can buy that um so in spite of the fact that she wants to break up with Nicholas Cage i guess before she went back in time they had plans to go on a date to this party and so cage shows up and has his little pre-date ritual where he folds down his rearview mirror, and talks to this magazine cutout. You looked it up. Who
1: is it? Uh, I believe it's Fabian, pop sensation of the time.
0: Like a teen idol of the 50s and 60s. And so he just sort of psychs himself up by talking to Fabian, and then goes in the house. Peggy Sue's mom makes him Rice Krispies? Well, they're for the
1: party. They're for the the party. The dad is sort of waiting there, and... Wants to have words with
0: him. Whenever he's on screen while we're doing Cage Club, I just basically can't take my eyes off him. And he, the way he's eating these Rice Krispie treats uh-huh. is the weirdest thing in the world. Did you notice how he was doing it? He's doing everything
1: super awkward. Be I think it's his... Way of being acting like a teenager, you know, because he's a few years removed from being a teen at this time, and he's also trying to become of the period. So he's trying to play like this awkward 60s teenager guy. I think he's taking and making these choices based off of that.
0: I mean, I'm not saying it to be critical because I love it because it's so quirky and charming and specific, but like he's opening his mouth as wide as he can possibly go to take a bite of this Rice Krispie treat. He's like, stuttering like his body like going down to eat it it's just it's just like everything he's doing is to show how uncomfortable he is in his own body
1: yeah, I think I think you nailed it right there. He does it a few times in the movie. He, he will get close to Peggy Sue and then just, like, kind of shake or something and, like, breathe heavily or say, like, uh, and then, like, do something. I don't know. Like, he has a couple moments in the movie where he has, like, this nervous tick.
0: As uncomfortable as he is throughout much of the movie, when he's on stage singing and dancing, as he is at this party... He is, like, the coolest, most confident man in the world, and even though Peggy Sue is, for all intents and purposes, done with him at this point, when he's singing, she just, like, falls in love with him again. Like, she sees the the Charlie that she fell in love with originally... And even though she knows that they're going to have this rocky marriage and they're going to get divorced, she, she can't help but love him because he's in his element.
1: Exactly. he's He is in his element. And he's like super comfortable and like really confident and just like carrying himself really well. And, and I think she's just like totally forgot that side of him because throughout the years, he's just been like selling too many appliances. You know, she hasn't even seen him perform since high school. So she's probably just, you know, caught up in all of that. All of the, you know, all the emotions that came back there. And...
0: I mean, the really the big decision that she has to make in 1960 is she sort of has her mind made up from the beginning and it shifts toward the end. But it's whether or not she wants to stay with Charlie or instead go after this the stereotypical loner, cool guy. Who, I think, he's the one that at the reunion she tells her friends he's the only guy from high school. That I wanted to sleep with. Yeah. Aside from Charlie. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't
1: show up at the reunion either. No one really knows what even happened to him.
0: So they're at the party. She's seeing Charlie sing. She's falling back in love with him. And then we get to one of those that you were talking about earlier... Really awkward makeout moments.
1: Suddenly, they're just at makeout point together and going at it in the front seat. One thing is definitely leading to another. Peggy Sue is into Charlie again at this point. I think you know, right now. I mean, the movie they they break up and get back together a lot. It seems throughout this movie, and this is one of the times where it looks like things are going to go well.
0: And she tell, she says to Charlie, Charlie, let's make love. And the the, the interaction that follows is maybe i mean i I feel like i say this every episode but i also feel like i mean it every episode is maybe my favorite moment so far in cage club
1: that's my club
0: what you mean sex
1: (laughs) intercourse (sighs) you want to have intercourse last weekend you said what time is it holy cow A
0: lot of things have
1: happened since last weekend. But you were the one who said we should wait, and you were right. We should wait till we get married. Well, I I know I must have believed that one but when I said it, but doesn't Lucky Chucky wanna come out? Uh Huh? No. Your love machine, your throbbing thrill hammer, your thing. You mean
0: my what exactly
1: do you say after that <laughs> it was entirely
0: unexpected it's so it's so good like he's just he's just not ready i guess she doesn't think that again like it's weird like you think about it in terms of time travel if she's always gone back that means that she's always been there which means that she would have remembered that it didn't go well.
1: Not exactly, because it's always the first time she's doing it, right? So she goes back and inhabits her old self, and when she leaves that body, she'll wake back up as her teenage self with no memory of what happened. Yeah, she only goes through it once.
0: She's not transporting her body, just her consciousness. That a la Desmond, like you were saying earlier.
1: Yeah, so I think that that would will enable her to sort of wake up in the future with like these new memories or or, or what have whatever you need to explain. Explain it.
0: And I don't think we should necessarily get too far into the time travel element of it all, because it's not Primer, it's not Time Crimes, it's not Looper, it's not these movies where time travel is like the driving force behind the narrative. This is a love story, just framed around time travel.
1: Yeah, it's not even as important as it is in back to the future you know like it's just much more the way they're telling the story frame it's it's used as a device to tell the story
0: and so after they have this sort of failed make out point session she goes off and she finds this beatnik and he's alone smoking a cigarette and writing poetry
1: what's crazy is what else is happening at the diner at Like midnight, you know. There's kids dancing on the countertop to the blaring jukebox music.
0: I mean, it was. It's a different time. 1960 (laughs) was pretty crazy.
1: I just love how hard they they sell the era in this movie, though, because just you know, from the cars and the clothes to to stuff like that, like it just it's constantly reminding you.
0: And so she sits down next to the beatnik guy, and he just like Richard. His name is Michael. Just just like Richard, Michael's not really sure why she's doing this. Like he's sort of thrown off by why she all of is talking to him but he they they leave together on his motorcycle and there's like this little visual gag as they're leaving some of their friends drive by and the guy is driving the car and his girlfriend is like straddled facing him and they're just making out while he's driving yeah i think that's dolores she's
1: sort of like the easy girl um she's the one like making out with everyone at the party and stuff she sees them and is like "Ooh, i'm gonna like tell everybody that Peggy Sue went off with Michael, the the commie beatnik, you know, weirdo loser guy.
0: They just go to some, like, secluded outpost.
1: They, like, smoke a joint. I don't exactly remember where she said she found it, but they, like, they get really high. Then they talk about poetry, and then they make out. And I think they, I think she actually does it with him, right? I mean, they kind of cut away before, but, like, as the, as it fades away, they're, they're petting they're doing some heavy petting on the ground. Yeah, so she like goes back and commits statutory rape to fulfill one of her childhood <laughs> fantasies, which you know uh, you're not exactly supposed to be thinking about while you're watching this, but
0: no, but she she effectively at the same time convinces this guy to basically be Kerouac, right? Like like to go on the road and just sort of do his writing and become his own man.
1: Yeah, she's like that's that take that night together and and use it and let it propel you. You know, we can't be together. You know, we were just that was our time. And he does. He's like totally into. It. He's like, yeah, I can dig that. Uh that's when Cage sneaks into her house, right? Like she goes home from the date with Michael. Nick Cage like opens her window and sneaks in and it's going he's
0: got a pillow. <laughs> he's
1: going to smother her.
0: Yeah, but then he, like, he he can't do it. He can't go through with it, and she wakes up. But, like, up. It's, it's so crazy and out of character for him that he very well could. Like, she doesn't wake up when he walks in, and he's right just about to do it right then. Yeah,
1: it's shot like a horror film. Like, what is happening? Where did this come from?
0: And this is really sort of the boiling point. Like, this is where everything, it all comes out at once.
1: Yeah, they go and argue in the basement so they don't wake anyone up.
0: This is what I was saying earlier. This is the argument that's 25 years in the making that it's all the frustrations and like nicholas cage doesn't understand everything that she's saying and there's no reason that he could but she's everything that she wanted to say to him it seems like is letting is coming out in this speech and he's like how dare you talk to me this way i'm charlie bodell
1: you're gonna blow it Peggy no one treats charlie bodell like this why do you have to talk about yourself in the third person like you were napoleon why does everything have to be an argument with you I've got the hair, I've got the teeth, I've got the eyes. Oh, Peggy, look outside that window. I've got the car. I'm the lead singer. I'm the man. Why are you arguing with me? Yeah, they're they're like standing up to each other at this point, right? They're like both sort of like they won't cave. And they end up... Well, I guess they're they're never... Actually, I mean, they're always on the verge of breaking up throughout this movie as teenagers. Yeah. And this is, like, one of those points, again, where they they leave it and no one is, like, really happy. What does he say? He's like... He goes, like... She's like, you know, I'm trying to save you from a future of disappointment with your singing. And he's like, you know, I just got to give it a shot. And, you know, someone just needs to believe in me. And, you know, I'm going to be just like Fabian. You'll see.
0: But she doesn't believe in him. And I don't know if she's because... And I, th- I really do think... And this is where the time travel thing comes in. Because she has this consciousness and she goes to meet up with Michael again, I think that like, this is like, – after this huge argument, they separate and it feels like she's once and for all sort of done with Nicolas Cage.
1: Well, I had a I had a theory at this point. Okay. So – let's call it the maybe there was an original timeline we'll just call it the original timeline and nick cage did go after high school you know he got peggy sue pregnant but then he did try and, and make it in a music career and failed and then had to sort of like come crawling back to his dad to get work and sort of now it's like his second choice and you know he didn't he's very disappointed and i think what she's trying to do is save him like all that aggravation and just you know Quit the singing now and, you know, realize realize that you could just go into the business and be happy and fulfilling and just like raise a family.
0: And so then maybe, maybe she's successful in that in this alternate timeline. Yeah. Because she goes to meet up with Michael again and they're at another diner late at night. And he seemingly sort of out of nowhere is like, I'm leaving, I guess, like 10 minutes after we graduate, I'm out of here. He's like, come with me, let's move to Utah. And she's like, no, why would I want to do that? Like, that doesn't doesn't sound fun at all. While she's, like, shooting down this guy's hopes and dreams, she hears some terrific singing, and she looks up. In the original timeline, this is not a diner that you would have been in.
1: Right. I don't believe that this scene happened in the original timeline because they didn't have the argument in the basement to sort of advance this um, state of affairs, right?
0: And it seems like after this argument, Nicolas Cage basically writes, like, a love song or like a breakup song, or like basically just whatever it is, a song pretty much about the argument he just had with Peggy Sue. And it's a great song, and he's doing a great job performing it.
1: And I'm wondering, I'm like, this is like a really strange coincidence. Like, Peggy Sue wasn't expecting him to be singing, and he doesn't know Peggy Sue is there with Michael. So it's a really interesting scene. I think it's really well done, you know, in explaining that, you know, and just letting you know who knows... Who is aware of who in this scene? I, I think it does a good job.
0: It, it definitely does. But in spite of that terrific performance by Cage, propelled by this heartbreak and his, his lost love for Peggy Sue, the record producer, who's in attendance at the diner, doesn't think it's enough. You're I just I'm just not going to sign you. And it, it, and it's, it's heartbreaking for Cage.
1: He is crushed. He's just dejected. <laughs> you know, hangs his head.
0: In the original timeline, this might not have happened. And like you were saying, he might have gone on... And ha- experienced this moment several years down the line, but in the alternate timeline, this is sort of the the final straw. After the girl he loves tells him to quit singing, sort of out of selfish reasons, but also out of trying to help him be like live a happier life or embrace the future that's his. Between that and between this record producer saying that he's not cut out, like he's he's not going to sign him, he just sort of it seems like he sort of gives up on singing at this point once and for all.
1: Yeah, pretty close to it. Um, She like has the moment where he tells her Doesn't he tell her like I had an audition And it didn't go well And she's like well I wrote you this song Maybe this will work And that's what turns out to be like a Beatles song (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah yeah, it's it's She Loves You
1: Yeah and he like changes the yes to oohs
0: Peggy Sue, wait a minute Listen I cut shop And I did some work on your song You know it's not half bad for your first try of course, I changed all the yes to oohs, but listen to this. She loves you, ooh, ooh, ooh. You love me, ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, I'm bored. I gotta go. He's like, she I... loves you, ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah, I did it much better. It's way better this way. And then he sings the song. And it's one of the most iconic songs of all time. He, <laughs> he just ruins it.
1: And it's really weird. Like I mean, that's what I'm saying about how like up and down and everything. Like after he like sort of blows the doesn't blow the audition, but he doesn't get picked up by the guy. Then she goes to him to walk to school with him, and she's like, oh, you're you're a good singer. And he's like, ah, I don't know. Like I don't have it. And she's like, I wrote this song. And it kind of seems like they're not together. And then he's after school. He's like, hey, Peggy Sue, Peggy Sue. And he's like all excited. And he's like, I worked on the song. And she's like, ah, oh, no, get away from me. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? Like, that's why I'm like, she as an adult has she's like, like a arrested teenager. development, you know? Like, she's reliving this high school phase of herself to get out of that state of mind in the future.
0: Then there's like the, the, the like weekend. the biggest twist of the movie.
1: Yeah, she, when she goes, it's her like her 18th. It is. We find out it's her 18th birthday. Okay, so here I just want to bring one thing up quickly: is that she passes out at her high school reunion, but she wakes up sort of a couple weeks before high school graduation you know what i'm saying it's not like she traveled back in time like a few days before her 45th birthday or whatever but she wakes up in the past and it's a few days before her 18th birthday we're on the night of her 18th birthday when she goes to her grandparents house to hang with them she doesn't necessarily travel back in time to the day in history she didn't leave on like june 5th 1985 and arrive like june 5th Nineteen sixty.
0: Well, I think that it, it could sort of be explained, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, two different points in her life when she passed out. So. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's what I was searching
0: for. I'm not sure if that's necessarily it or not, but it also, just in terms of the movie and like the script, it just makes sense to sort of plop her in this place where these, these there there are these events to be laid out in front of her.
1: Yeah. And I really like her idea of going to her grandparents' house because it's. Like, her grandparents aren't with her anymore in the future. So she goes and spends time with them. And, like, that was just, like, a really sweet idea of hers. Like, she has that moment earlier where the grandma calls and she can't even talk to her.
0: It's like, she's so freaked out. And she, she tells her mom a lie that she, you know, had a dream that her grandmother died. But that dream is just, real. it just, it's just the reality of time that she's from 25 years in the future when these 75- or 80-year-old grandparents just... There's no reasonable expectation that they're going to be alive, and she's just so caught off guard when the grandma calls, but then you're right. She does just like a genuinely, like, sweet thing, and it's just, it's the mentality of an older person not taking for granted the things that kids take for granted and just spending time with her grandparents.
1: Yeah, and her grandparents are pretty awesome, I gotta say, especially her grandfather, (laughs) and I mean... (laughs) this guy's into some crazy shit the
0: movie sort of takes like a supernatural turn
1: yes yes totally totally
0: It, it sort of starts slowly kind of they're they're talking about how her grandmother knows when she's gonna die yep and she won't tell the grandfather and then all of a sudden it turns out that her grandfather is like the member of this ancient organization that is that that basically shepherds Time traveler. Yeah,
1: it's founded by a time traveler. And like, and they go to some like Masonic temple with all kind of like Illuminati <laughs> like symbols.
0: They're, they're the most powerful people in the world.
1: Yeah, I was super convinced that this is how she was going to get back to the future. Like these guys were legit you know i mean they take themselves super seriously i mean even that ridiculous the handshake where whatever they what do you call that where they put their hands to their nose and wave uh, their their secret symbol even even as ridiculous as that is i was still like okay it's all a cover story for how powerful they really are they're just doing it not to be taken seriously
0: and so they they fire up they, they they begin this ceremony to return her to 1985 they all believe her maybe they're all just crazy i don't know it really doesn't matter but they fire up they begin this ceremony to send her back to 1985. As they're doing it, there's like a lightning storm outside and the power's flickering and then in the middle of the ceremony she disappears. And they're like, "Hey, we did it." But then it just it turns out that Nicholas Cage snuck in and kidnapped her and brought her outside because he wants to be with her.
1: Yeah, he followed her up to grandma's house and grandpa's house and you know, I just uh, picture him Like, listening outside their window as she's, like, explaining the time travel stuff. And just him going, like, what are they talking about? (laughs) Like, saving it for later. Just creeping around the neighborhood until he, like, comes across the hidden temple where she's being uh, ceremoniously sent back to the future.
0: Yeah, until he senses his opportunity and goes in and sneaks in, grabs her, brings her out, brings her to... Where does he bring her? It's like a greenhouse or something? Yeah, I think it's
1: the greenhouse sort of off to the side of the main house.
0: She's freaking out, A, because she thought she was going to go back to her regular life. B because she just broke up with this guy. Or I mean who who knows, like we were talking about earlier, whether she's happy with him or upset with him right now. But C because she wanted to avoid him completely on her eighteenth birthday so that she wouldn't get pregnant.
1: Yeah. She's like fighting destiny the whole time where she that's what I thought too. It's like if I could just get far away enough from charlie and not get pregnant on my 18th birthday then i'll be fine and skynet won't attack but then i was like you know that's very strange because she talks about missing her children and if she she doesn't get together with charlie she'll never have those kids so she's in like a catch-22 situation to a degree damned if she does and she's like damned if she doesn't until she realizes like she should you know like she really does love charlie he he doesn't he ends up proposing to her
0: i think part of her always knows that that this is the man that she's meant for. This is the life that she's been meant to live. And it's just going back in time and seeing the alternatives, giving Richard the ideas, and seeing that like she's not going to marry him, seeing that Michael is not the choice for her. That she doesn't really have a whole ton of options. Charlie just seems like a genuinely good guy that wasn't happy with his life but he's sort of the right guy for her.
1: Yeah, I also got the sense that her getting pregnant at 18, she always sort of regarded that as a bit of a bit traumatic, you know. She always, she sort of mentions it a couple of times as like this turning point. Oh, if I hadn't gotten pregnant when I was 18, this and that, and then I wouldn't have had to marry Charlie. But now that moment isn't traumatic anymore it's you know one of her favorite it'll be like her favorite memory you know the night that they they yeah 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 yeah. first conceive you know that blessed their relationship so i think you know maybe that was the whole point of her little journey was to just sort of deal with her neuroses deal with you know the issues with charlie and realize that they've been arguing about the same shit for the past 20 years you know and (laughs) they could resolve that
0: and it's through that sort of ultimate resolution that Really brings her back to the present because after Cage brings her to the greenhouse, he gives her that locket that we were talking about before and she doesn't understand what's in it. She's sort of confused. She doesn't think it's possible, but it's sort of this realization that her kids are more important than her slight unhappiness that it's the best thing in her life, that it's a sign that Charlie, at least at the time, really does genuinely care for her. It's like this overwhelming, all these emotions just welling up in her that eventually bring her back and wake her up in 1985.
1: Yeah, she has like this resolution. <laughs> and... uh the moment just, like, draws her back, and she wakes up in a hospital.
0: So then now, the 1960 Peggy Sue sort of returns to her original timeline, and I guess now she's on the ground in this greenhouse and overcome with love, and I guess that's when they have sex and become, and she becomes pregnant? Yeah, that's, that's how I
1: take it, and then she'll go to school Monday morning and show everybody her locket and be like, we're together.
0: And they get to the hospital... There's this one shot of Helen Hunt walking in, Peggy Sue's in bed, and Nicolas Cage is sitting next to her. It's shot in a way that, like, it's looking at a mirror. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you read this, where the camera was, there was no way to remove it digitally or remove it however from the shot, so there was actually no mirror there, and there was the body doubles or or stand-ins recreating the scene in reverse the next room over.
1: Yeah, the opening shot starts the same way, where it pans back from the television uh, into a mirror and you see Peggy Sue sort of doing her makeup. Her reflection is her body double because of the same reason they would have had a reflection of the camera in the mirror.
0: That's a really great way to bookend the movie.
1: Yeah, and it's just like amazing filmmaking technique by Coppola, you know, and it's just like thinking on such another level, you know, it was just like thinking about, oh, how would a play maybe do something like this, you know, or how could you just, you know, thinking outside the box is just a, such a great solution.
0: And I guess if you wanted to be, to read a little bit more deeply into it, the mirror, it, like, going back in time is sort of like a weird kind of mirror world for peggy sue Mm -hmm. like everything is recognizable but everything's a little bit off yeah and so it's it's really kind of cool that it starts and ends in this way you're you're seeing the world you know and what you think is the world you know but it's just like a little bit off
1: yeah it's a really cool way to make that point you know with a with a filmmaking technique like in the shot itself like that's really cool okay so in the end when they're in the room there's Flowers from everybody, and then there's a book from Michael dedicated to their night together that uh, supposedly never happened. And I mean, in the beginning of the movie, it was Richard who had the book coming out, and at the end of the movie, it was Michael with the book. Now, I don't know if that was history being changed by any means like that. Um, I believe that, you know, Richard still went on to make his fortune with all that knowledge that he was given, because he really is just like, see you later, like, good luck with all that, like, never gonna <laughs> see you again, <laughs> and like, I'm sure he'll be fine. But yeah, I don't know, I just felt like this is sort of like a relic of like the new sort of restored timeline, maybe, you know, this is the way things we're always we supposed to be in a sense and like that's just like one symbol of like things have changed and also at the end of back to the future george mcfly's book shows up out of nowhere and it's like a symbol of something has changed in the past and this is the proof of that
0: so maybe maybe this movie wasn't inspired by back to the future but maybe when after the movie came out added in the the book at the end as a nice little touch. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe
1: I think you might be right in the first place. Like the more I'm thinking about it, they probably, someone saw Back to the Future and was like, you know, let's do, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's make it a little more geared toward girls, you know, we'll change it here and there. And, uh, but essentially, you know, it's the same, same structure.
0: The time between Back to the Future's theatrical release and Peggy Sue's theatrical release is only like 15 months. Hmm. so i mean i guess it's possible well development
1: and filming it might have taken longer to shoot back to the future this seems like a lot there were a lot less special effects in this movie well i mean getting yeah. all the the cars and all the period correct uh, elements could have could have taken some time but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just interesting how similar they are. They're very they're like companion pieces. I never noticed that.
0: But yeah, that's pretty much Peggy Sue got married. Are there any other cage connections that we missed, or are there anything else you want to talk about? Hmm. Oh oh oh. Uh, Joan Allen, who plays Maddie, yes, will pop up again later in yes. Face Off. Face Off. We we forgot to mention something that is kind of a running theme a little bit through the movie.
1: Apparently, the most popular catchphrase during the time of this movie is why I order? because uh, Jim Carrey, Nicholas Cage, like the whole gang, like every time uh, at lunch when uh, Peggy Sue and her friends are like, you know, you know what's, th- what's going on? So they're like, oh, why I order And everybody's just dying of laughter.
0: What I really like about it is that it's, it, it makes sense that you're not going to remember all the catchphrases. Or you, I mean, you might remember a lot of them from when you were a kid, but you might not remember all of them. And like it feels like, at least in the lunchroom like Peggy Sue is so confused when she hears this. Yeah. She's she's like I don't I don't know what this means. She's 25 years older. She's got this whole life's worth of memories and she, she might not have liked it when she was 18 or you know not, it was it didn't stick with her. And so it's this like weird kind of cultural whatever that like means so much to everybody else and she it's just gone. And I guess yeah. it kind of
1: You know what it's like? It's like the what's up. It's like the what's up of the day, right? It's like that's what they're doing, basically. And she just never saw that commercial. She's just like, I just don't I just don't get it.
0: You know, she never saw or is forgettable or she just doesn't have the, the reference point anymore.
1: Yeah, it was just strange because it's mentioned a lot. Like, it's said a lot. Like, the the guys say it. Like, um, Domino says it. Or Sophia says it. So I can't. I, I'm only calling her Domino for. now She's going to be Domino forever. Domino to me. If I ever saw her on the street, I'm just going to yell Domino. But she says it, and it, like, busts up Nick Cage. Like, he just wants her <laughs> to keep saying it, like, over and over. So, like, I don't know. Maybe they're just playing it up too much. But, yeah, I like your explanation. Like, that makes more sense to me. That it was just, like, sort of this, this cultural turn of phrase at the moment and you know she just kind of missed out on it you know one last shout out to nick cage's hair in this which is closest to his real hair color that we've seen yet Um, the
0: nice like light blonde
1: yeah that sort of bleachy surfy blonde uh, that is what i uh, understand to be at the time most like his original hair color with the end of piggy Sue got married that is the last time Cage will work with his uncle and wraps up the Coppola trilogy <laughs> for him. It's uh Rumblefish, Cotton Club, and Peggy Sue Got Married.
0: And I think it's the last time he works with Domino too. I don't know if he ever if Sophia Coppola ever pops up again.
1: It was cool to see them uh, share a scene together on the couch in this.
0: And, and he just like oh, and, and we didn't talk about it, but he's just complimenting how beautifully she's playing the piano. Yeah. Like her dad it's it almost seems like a little bit of meta with Francis, maybe? That yeah. she's like annoying her dad and he's like, Oh no, I think it sound I think your playing sounds beautiful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> next time on Cage Club, we have my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is coming up next, Raising Arizona.
1: I love this movie. I mean the
0: next uh, the next week is sort of I mean we've had we've had good movies and like, like we've talked about, I haven't disliked any of these movies. But this next week that we're doing the next three movies are really the first really, really powerful weeks of Cage movies. We have Raising Arizona, we have Moonstruck, and we have Vampire's Kiss.
1: Yeah, and each of these he'll veer deeper and deeper (laughs) into uh, Cage mode, you know, like he did in here. You know, we see him here with the voice and disguising himself a little more and taking bolder choices. I think it's just going to keep going from here.
0: And I can't wait. Check out cageclub.me for all things cage club you can read our reviews you can find out how to follow us on twitter if you're listening to this somewhere i guess you can figure out how to follow us on itunes rate and review us on itunes and come back next week when we talk about raising arizona moonstruck and vampires kiss i've been told though she's wearing a band of gold peggy sue got married not long ago
1: Peggy Sue got
0: married not a long ago. Bye bye. <coughs>